They used ugly words, vulgar words to say, excuse me, to say his beliefs were wrong. The Buddha listened silently. Ananda, Buddha's disciple who was traveling with him, got very angry, but he couldn't say anything because Buddha was listening so silently, so patiently. In fact, he was listening as though he rather enjoyed the whole thing. As time went on, the crowd became a little frustrated because Buddha was not getting irritated, and it seemed he was enjoying what was occurring. Finally, when there was a lull in the conversation, the Buddha said, If you are finished, I should move on because I have to reach the other village soon. They must be waiting just as you were waiting for me. If you have not told me all the things that you thought to tell me, I will be coming back in a few days, and you can finish telling me then. Somebody from the crowd said, Don't you get it? We've been insulting you. You're not going to react? You have nothing to say for yourself? The Buddha calmly replied, If you want reaction from me, then you are too late. You should have come at least ten years ago, because then I would have reacted. But I am no longer so foolish. I see that you're angry. That's why you're insulting me. I see your anger, the fire burning in your mind. So I feel compassion for you. This is my response. I feel compassion because you are unnecessarily troubled. Even if I am wrong in my beliefs, why should you get so irritated? It's not your business. If I am wrong, I am going to hell and you will not go with me. If I am wrong, I will suffer for it. You will not suffer. I enjoy this because it seems to me that you love me so much and you think about me and consider me so much that my beliefs make you angry and irritated out of your love for me. You have left your work in the fields, and you have come all the way here just to say a few things to me. For this, I am thankful. And as he turned to leave, he said, Oh, one more thing. In the other village, I left behind a big crowd just like you, and they gifted me with many candies as a present, a gift from the village. But I told them that I don't take candies. So they took the candies back. What will they do with those sweets? Someone from the crowd said, what will they do? That's easy. They'll distribute them in the village and they'll all enjoy them. So the Buddha said, now what will you do? You have brought me many insults and I say I don't take them. What will you do now? You can offer me insults, that's up to you, but I don't take them. That is up to me. The master teaches that many things will be offered to you in life, both sweetness and pain. Your awareness of your beliefs and your spiritual maturity will allow you to accept and carry with you only what serves you on your chosen path. I like this story. I like the reminder that we are offered many things in life. This is our month of awareness. And I invite you today to consider that you are offered many things. And you may be aware of what you choose to pick up, what you choose to carry with you. Sometimes people offer us something very sweet. 
something lovely, a compliment, a, uh, a recognition of what we've done. Sometimes that's valuable for us and we choose to take it up and carry it with us. And sometimes it's not so important. We're grateful for it, but we don't need to carry it. Sometimes when someone offers us something sweet, it comes with an expectation of something back. If I love you, will you love me too? Sometimes we choose not to pick that up. Oftentimes, people will offer us their opinion, their burdening opinion, their opinion of how we should run our lives, what we should do, what we shouldn't do. And our tendency is to to be unaware of our own center and to place our awareness in the heart of the other person and to begin to translate what it is they're saying to us through our response rather than listening. Most of the time, people just want to be heard. They just want you to listen. And there are several different voices that you can listen to. So I want to listen through. I want to offer you three this morning. And there's a, these three words all sound very much like the same thing, but there are subtle differences that make it really important for you to be aware what perspective you're listening through. These three words that I want you to consider are sympathy, empathy, and compassion. When we are in sympathy with someone, usually what we're saying to them is, I'm so sorry. Sympathy is a reflection of, I don't know what to do for you. I feel so bad for that person. So-and-so had this happen and I feel so bad for them. I have no idea what I could possibly do. Sympathy has no action tied to it. Empathy, on the other hand, has an action tied to it. When I say, I feel so bad that you're feeling that way, I'm telling you that I am connected to your pain. And not only am I connected to your pain, but it feels so yucky in me. Here's what we're going to do to fix it for you. Because if I can help you stop feeling it, I don't have to feel it either. So here's what I think you need to do. Here's the action I think you need to take. You can tell when you're in empathy when you say to someone, I had an experience just like that. So you're feeling, you're very connected to the feeling with them, and you want them now to do something about it. Compassion is very different. When we listen through the ears of compassion, we are saying to someone, I can be here with you and bear witness to what you're feeling. I am strong enough to be present to what you're sharing. And I don't have to feel it with you. I can see that you're angry. That's what the Buddha says. I can see that you're angry. I feel compassion for that. I also recognize that it's important enough to you that you have come here to tell me. And for that, I offer gratitude. How would it be if you were in confrontation with someone and you were simply able to say, I can see that you're upset about this. And I'm grateful that I'm important enough in your life that you felt like you needed to share your opinion with me. Thank you. Just stop there. Thank you. End of story. I don't have to carry this burden with me. I'm going back to my desk to do what I need to do now. It's very different, isn't it? It's a very different awareness. 
And it's an important awareness because it allows, compassion allows people the authenticity and authority of their own feelings. It allows them to be who they are, to share what they need to express, and to be heard. And not necessarily reacted to. Because not everything that everybody feels is worthy of your reaction. Not everything that everyone offers you requires you to go and make change in your life. So now I'm going to ask you to turn the, the cart around the other direction and to consider how it would be for you. How does it feel to be responded to with sympathy? Oh, I'm so sorry that's happening to you. I just feel so bad for you. How does that feel? I think. Hello. Not great. And a kind of flat because there's nothing there's nothing there. Like if you're sharing your heart with somebody and they say, "Oh, that's so terrible. I feel awful for you." That doesn't make you feel any better, does it? Hmm. Okay, so what happens if they say, oh, I've had that problem. I know exactly what you should do. How about this and this and this? Go do it right now. How does that feel? Does it feel like it's about you or about them? Yeah, and this is the thing that happens subtly, that often when we're talking to someone, most often we respond in empathy. And in empathy, really what we do is we give a very subtle, energetic message that says, my feelings are more important than yours right now. Please go fix yourself. Please go fix yourself. This is hurting me. Go do something. Right? And we have this. This happens often in our closest relationships with our spouses and our children and our parents and our dearest friends because we have such a strong heart connection that we go to an empathetic response very quickly. And it, it's not a gift. So what about being on the receiving end when you're angry with somebody? Being on the receiving end, uh, first I want you to think about something that makes you angry. Okay, now pretend I'm that person. I hope it's pretending. <laughs> okay, now imagine that I say to you, You just told me everything you're really angry about. And I say to you, I can tell you're really angry. And I also am very grateful for this time. I'm really grateful that you took a moment to share with me authentically how you're feeling. Because it tells me that you care about me. And I want you to know that I care about you. And I do care that you're taking the time to share your opinion with me. How does that feel? Do I have to carry the weight of your burden with me when I walk away? Have you now placed your anger on my shoulder? No. I don't have to take your feelings with me. If I'm in empathy, I have to take your feelings with me until you do what I told you to do. And if you don't do it, I'm going to be really angry with you because I'm still feeling crummy and you're the one that started it. Right? And if I'm feeling sympathy, I'm taking your feelings with me, and now both of us feel hopeless. Good grief. This is terrible. Nobody knows what to do. But if I can bring myself 
to compassion in conversation, both of us get what we need. I am able to see that you think, even if what you're, even let's just say you're complaining about something, that this isn't even really about me. You just want to stomp your feet and grind your teeth and gnash and hash around a bit because something really bothers you. If I can hold space for that and say to you, I can see this is really up for you. And thank you for trusting me enough to let me be witness to what you're feeling. That, again, does not invite my taking with me what's going on. And I don't have to fix it for you. But I am present to the fact that you have something going on and I am grateful that you have shared it with me, that I am important enough in your life. These are, these are really, can you see these are really subtle differences, aren't they? But they're huge in the impact that they have. And one of the things that we are, are so unaware of is how much of other people's stuff we take on and carry with us. Because we're creators. This is what we do. We're fixers. We're makers of decisions. This is, this is what we are in the mind of God. We are manifestors. So when there's a problem, we see it as a challenge and we want to fix it. So we pick this burden up from here. And then we go across the office and we pick up somebody else's. And then over here and pick up somebody else's. And by the end of the day, we wonder why our desk is so full of stuff to do. Because we are trying to fix all of the little things that are going on with everyone. And the same thing happens in our households. Your husband is upset. You want to fix it. Your wife is upset. You want it to be better. Your children are irritated. What are you going to do about that? How many of you have had the experience of having a problem and not being able to get to it? And, and having it, having, knowing that problem is there and having it sit there and walking away and taking care of all the other things you had to do. And lo and behold, when you came back, the problem was solved. Anybody had that experience? Sometimes we make things worse because we carry them around with us. Because we now take the energy of someone else's frustration, someone else's ponderance, and we add our own thoughts and our own feelings to it, and now it's bigger. And then it becomes bigger and bigger and bigger. And if we had just left it alone, it would have resolved itself. So I invite you in this next week to be aware how you listen to each other, how you listen to those people that are dear and special to you, to be aware of your listening purpose. Are you there to sympathize? Do you feel hopeless to change the situation? If you do, ask yourself if that situation even belongs to you. Is that yours to carry? And I would offer you the same thing about empathy. If you find yourself needing to fix something, that is just not acceptable. I have to fix it. Ask yourself, is that your burden to carry? Is it your job to fix it? Or can you be in compassion? Now, the interesting thing about this story is that the Buddha also did not pick up the sweets. That the town before he had been offered, they had collected all the sweets in the city and brought them to him from their township and said, we have this wonderful, luscious, sweet gift to give to you. 
will you take it? And he said, no, I, I don't carry that burden. I don't carry that. So I want you to also consider that sometimes someone else's joy and happiness is also theirs. And it is also not yours to carry. It isn't your job. And we sometimes steal each other's pleasure in telling their story because we take it up as though it's ours. Did you hear about what so-and-so did? Isn't that so wonderful? So now your friend comes behind you to tell the party you were talking to and they can't because the story is already told and they've lost the opportunity to share. It's okay to say there's something sweet over there. (laughs) The timing couldn't be better. (laughs) There's something sweet over there. Now we have a whole idea, different idea about sweet, don't we? (laughs) The point is, we have the ability to unburden ourselves in many ways. And in the Buddhist tradition, they teach the value of emptiness. Yesterday, I was in Tai Chi with Michael Paylor. Does anybody know him? I don't know, Anne, if he was your teacher great Tai Chi teacher. I just love him. And he said something brilliant. He said, you may think that you purchase a cup or a bowl because you like the decoration on the outside, but the gift of it is the space. It Otherwise, it has no use. If it didn't have the space, it would have no usefulness. So, when, when we talk about emptying yourself of other people's burdens, we're talking about creating space, that there is a space for you to fill with what is sweet and precious and serves you with a deeper level of connection to spirit, with a deeper self-awareness, with time so that you can do what you are here to do, so that you can create what you choose to create. When we unburden ourselves, we open ourselves to the space, to the usefulness of our own vessel so that we can carry within us and open to what is trying to come when our minds become clear of all of the other muck. So as you move through this week, I invite you to please give time to your perspective, to consider how you listen and to notice when you pick up what belongs to someone else, to notice what is not yours to carry. And in all of this, I invite you to recognize that there is a oneness. And that, that really, if you're, if you're new here or, or you haven't heard us say this before, unity gathers around oneness, around interconnectedness, really teaches that who we are together is the divine expression, that we are God moving on the planet. And so the more we're able to stay empty and to allow spirit to move through, the less burdened we are, the more we gift in the oneness because the deeper connected we are. So let's hear some wise words this morning in these quotes about oneness. Alan Wilson Watts says, You and I are all as much continuous with the physical universe 
as a wave is continuous with the ocean. Jeremy Aldana says, each time a man looks into your eyes, he is only searching to find himself, for he already knows that he is part of you on some level. I like that one. I think that's a sweet thought. Ravi Ravindra, that's a hard name to say, says, the self says, I am as in the very grand sayings of Christ, especially in the Gospel of John, in which he says in the state of oneness with Yahweh, which is the Hebrew me, which in Hebrew means I am. I am the way, the truth, and the life. But the ego says I am this or I am that, thus attaching itself only to a small portion of the vastness. And finally, Swami Vivekananda says, all differences in the world are of degree and not of kind because oneness is the secret of everything.